Over recent years, investors have increasingly been pressured to consider how their activities impact people and the planet. This has been reflected in the amount of coverage that ESG investing has received, ESG standing for Environmental, Social, and Governance. Investor interest in ESG has also spawned a number of questions. For example, how impactful are these investors? To what extent do ESG factors really drive investor decision-making? How effectively are social issues considered versus environmental or governance issues? And how can we actually improve ESG decision-making and support better outcomes? So, as part of a slightly infrequent Ergon podcast series, we'll explore at least some of these questions by talking about a recent project we are involved in called Moving the Market. This project aimed to advance the social considerations within ESG investing and involved collaborating with a number of organizations, including development finance actors, private equity fund managers, and other organizations. My name is Mac, senior consultant at Ergon, and I will be joined by others who are involved in this project, first of whom is Chloe Bailey, who is a program manager at Freedom Fund and coordinator for the project. Hi, Chloe. Hi there. Could you give us a bit of background on Moving the Market? So Moving the Market is a collaborative donor fund that was launched in 2019 by Humanity United, UBS Optimus Foundation, and the Freedom Fund. So these three organisations are a group of funders with a thematic focus on tackling forced labour and human trafficking. And we three got together um, to develop the Moving the Market project with the aim of pooling donor resources to support innovative projects to increase investor engagement on modern slavery which was in recognition of a growing interest in the financial sector on ESG strategies, but that there was a considerable gap in engagement on social issues, specifically modern slavery, as part of this. And how many projects were supported by Moving the Market? So in total, Moving the Market supported six projects that are developing and piloting new strategies to advance investor engagement on modern slavery across asset classes. And rather than just making the case for why investors should care about modern slavery risks in their portfolios, we were keen to fund specific products that could be utilised by the financial sector. So, for example, toolkits for asset managers on how to identify and address modern slavery during the investment cycle or data and metrics that assess modern slavery and human rights. And the overarching goal of this project was to move the market, hence the title, by funding projects to build investor demand for socially responsible investing, as well as advance approaches to account for social impacts in investment decision making. I'll speak in greater detail about Ergon's project in a moment, but our main focus was on private equity investors in emerging markets. Was there any particular interest by the funders in this area? One of the reasons why we were interested in funding this project is because it looked um, at private equity. And when we were considering the different proposals, we were really keen to find ways to support projects that were not just looking at public equity, 
um, as a way to expand the broader um, level of investor engagement on modern slavery. That's great. Thanks a bunch for joining us, Chloe. Thanks very much. So as mentioned before, Ergon's contribution to moving the market focused on private equity investors in emerging markets. And we really wanted to understand to what extent do these investors consider labor issues throughout the investment cycle, starting from an investment concept to due diligence to investment monitoring. Many private equity or PE investors operating in emerging markets have a mandate to generate positive impacts through their investments. Additionally, PE investors operate on the ground and can have significant leverage over investee companies, which puts them in a good position to identify labor risks and take action. Another important angle is to consider who invests in PE funds. These investors are known as limited partners or LPs. In the context of emerging markets, many LPs will often be development finance institutions, which are publicly backed investors that have a mandate to promote development, as the name implies, including job creation and creation of good jobs. The role of LPs is important for many reasons, and one of these reasons is that LPs often have ESG standards that their investees must adhere to. The International Finance Corporation's performance standards are a commonly referenced framework that incorporates labor and human rights. These standards cover things like child labor, forced labor, working conditions, and health and safety, among other things. For the purposes of our project, that gives us a clear normative reference point which allows us to explore how these ESG standards are understood and applied by investors. One of the key objectives of our project was to work closely with PE fund managers to understand what labor challenges do they face, how do they integrate labor considerations into the investment cycle, and what further guidance might they need. We were very lucky to have collaborated closely with two fund managers operating in Africa, Verid Capital Management and Cepheus Growth Capital Partners. We are also very lucky that representatives from both fund managers were happy to join me on this podcast. I will let them introduce themselves, starting with uh, Chigozi Ejimogu from Verid Capital. And maybe you can start by providing a bit of background on your role. So presently, I am the sustainability manager for Verid Capital. Um, um, practically, I, I lead the uh, ESG, uh, the ESG stream, the ESG work stream in Verod working with portfolio companies, ensuring that they are developed uh, in terms of uh, their internal processes and capacity to manage their ENS um, issues or ENS uh, aspects. So uh, I'm also in charge of ensuring that our investment uh, ESG is well integrated into all of our investment and all of our deals. We do this through uh, starting early in the investment cycle, you know, ensuring there is ESG screening and ensuring there is a due diligence and having the report and the SAP document and then uh, portfolio monitoring. Thank you. And could you tell us a little bit more about Verit Capital? Yes. So um, Verit Capital is a leading West African private equity investor. Uh, we seek to partner with fast-growing companies 
led by results strong driven uh, management teams and which have the potential to become large dominant and sustainable enterprises we are focused on creating economic value and also resolutely committed to creating jobs promoting gender equality and supporting environmental sustainability and as mentioned before we also collaborated with Cepheus Growth Capital Partners and we have with us Brooke Asfau Brooke, do you want to tell us a little bit about your role at Cepheus? Sure. So um, I personally joined Cepheus uh, in January 2017 um, as an ESG and a legal analyst. And tell us a little bit about your fund. As you may know, Cepheus Growth Capital Partners has been active for at least since uh, 2016, uh, fundraising uh, in the first uh, phase and then deploying uh, equity funds. I mean, the primary mission of CFIUS is to provide uh, much needed growth capital and operational support to um, Ethiopian SMEs. And the uh, objective is to uh, deliver a meaningful value to portfolio companies and uh, as well as attractive uh, risk-adjusted returns to investors. Thanks both. I think the key to our project was really working with PE fund managers to sort of understand relevant labor challenges throughout the investment cycle, uh, collaboratively develop potential tools or solutions, and really to to sort of capture these relevant lessons in a final guidance report. Uh, Our goal was to produce a set of tools that would be usable by other fund managers and which would be directly relevant to some of the labor issues that emerging market private investors may come across. We'll sort of reference the guidance at various points in this podcast. And of course, the guidance is publicly available to all those who are interested. Uh, But to begin with, maybe let's talk about some of the labor challenges that you come across in your day-to-day work. The main challenges we encounter when it comes to labor issues is that as a developing country, Ethiopia is um, kind of entering industrialization, uh, shifting from an agricultural-based economy towards manufacturing. One of the main underlying issue is uh, the absence of minimum wage uh, or a living wage in Ethiopia, and uh, wages are quite low. The other challenge is is uh, instilling the culture of uh, safety and occupational health and safety and other labor-related um, issues. And the other one is once you have your team constituted, is retention of talent and a high turnover rate. Those are the main three uh, issues, I think. I think one thing to point out is that both of you have responsibility for ESG broadly, so you know, not just labor issues. Um, but is there something that makes labor more difficult? And uh, let's say, Chigozi, what labor challenges do you see as being the most relevant? One thing that is very obvious about labor issues is that um, it is regulated almost in all the markets, you know, labor issues are regulated by local regulation as well as international conventions. And uh, of course, businesses will always try to balance their economic interests with uh, labor issues. So in the process, uh, you are bound to have some challenges, you know. Uh, so the, le- the challenges we have in Verod are just common challenges as as you know, could be obtainable uh, in other organizations, and um, I tell you, uh, one of them is uh, usually the issue of uh, disclosure. 
you know so uh, working conditions and labor issues are things that organization organizations like to keep to themselves you know it is not subject to public consumption most times so uh, in that in that sense you, you might say that okay it's a little bit of challenge you know getting to know uh, what are the nitty-gritty what are the issues around working conditions but fine because um, we're already on ground that is our responsibility so our duty and our role from a very perspective is to support these portfolio companies in these aspects i think both of you brought up some really important points and the guidance we developed starts with lots of the basics which both of you have mentioned uh, that includes uh, a understanding some of the key regulatory frameworks which address labor standards obviously national law is one of the many important starting points in addition to other esg standards uh, the other is understanding key risks within specific sectors and geographies. Uh, Brooke, you mentioned challenges with certain workers that are moving from agricultural sectors to manufacturing. That's a great example, as well as the minimum wage issue in Ethiopia. And obviously, the guidance addresses these topics in greater details for those who are sort of listening and interested. Um, but the next question is sort of how do we integrate this understanding of standards and risks into investment decision making? And maybe, Chigozi, you could talk us through how you approach labor risk management. Obviously, part of our engagement with you was developing a, a labor-focused questionnaire or survey to help with identifying potential labor issues and to sort of provide a general health check of portfolio companies as it relates to labor. Uh, we don't do it uh, in piecemeal. We do it as a compact suit, starting from the screening stage, uh, and one one important tool uh, or one important process through which we identify risk is uh, the, the due diligence exercise. So uh, we are conscious of number one who we want to bring in to support us in terms of due diligence, uh, you know, in terms of competence and knowledge. We are also very deliberate in developing terms of reference and ensuring that uh, uh, issues related to labor are part of the focus of uh, the consultant. So that is the first stage of risk identification. So whatever is the outcome of that exercise in terms of issues around labor, you know, are uh, you know captured uh, in the in the in the investment agreement, and it is followed through. Through the process, through the uh, through the life of that investment, to ensure that uh, it is mitigated or it is corrected if it is something that is not good. So now the second level uh, or second stage of our risk identification process is during the portfolio monitoring uh, uh, portfolio monitoring stage. So at this time, uh, we do what we call risk-based portfolio monitoring. So we try to target those portfolio companies we think, you know, uh, by result of a DD, uh, you know, we think that have some kind of significant potential risk, you know, and now we are talking about labor. So we prioritize that portfolio company. We do visit frequently. We have engagement uh, with the HR managers. 
so uh, i can say yes the third one the third leg which is related to the second leg is the interviews you know from time to time when we do the visit we sit down with the hr people we try to you know get updates we try to interview we try to do a kind of uh, interrogation to know get clarification on areas we are not clear about and sometimes of course uh, mere discuss discussing with staff you could also get an idea of how situations are playing out in terms of conditions labor conditions so these are the the, the processes we 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 administer but i know at one time we have launched a, a survey as well as a tool uh, which uh, mark you helped us to do so and that that was very interesting is something we intend to continue periodically so that it can form part of our risk identification process that's a super helpful overview of the approach and just to mention that the portfolio survey or questionnaire you mentioned is included uh, as an annex in our guidance uh, another thing you mentioned was clear terms of reference for external experts to conduct labor assessments of portfolio companies. Uh, this is something we also worked with Brooke on at CFIUS Growth Capital, and we developed some template terms of reference for commissioning labor experts. That's also included as an annex in the guidance. Uh, but let's start from the beginning and look at due diligence. What are some of the common gaps you identify at due diligence or areas where portfolio companies or sort of potential portfolio companies need more support? Most of the time, the gap we, we notice is that you have all the regulatory framework, which are very much aligned with the international best practices and standards. But the difficult part is to bring down those on the ground. Like, you know, it's just that everybody knows the policies when you talk with management, especially HR management people and so on, they they know the policies, they know the regulatory framework. National legal framework is also quite strong, but implementation is where we identify gaps. We've been working with many uh, consulting companies with uh, in-depth experience across the continent in Africa. We would like to get better experience sharing from them, uh, how other African countries were able to manage these gaps best practices and uh, policies and standards were implemented on the ground at, at the ground level like at the on the, at the floor level within uh, specific companies so most of the gap that you see is it's uh, the gap between what's there on the ground and the policies and how do you broach this topic with potential investee companies like I try to highlight, the, the main challenge is uh, when it comes to implementation and making understand both the management and um, the workers on the importance of managing the labor force. It's uh, really important to uh, highlight that our labor force is the main asset, is the main uh, important value of, uh, of our company, uh, of our portfolio companies, because without a well-managed and conscious and productive labor force, nothing is possible. Right. As you suggest, uh, some of this is also about communicating the, the business case to portfolio companies, including how improving uh, human resources systems can help to mitigate labor risk, but also hopefully contribute to better operations or operational outcomes. Uh, that's just one aspect of the business case. I should add that you know we address other business case arguments in the guidance uh, for those who are interested. 
Uh, but that being said, you know, following due diligence, can you sort of describe what comes next? Once the investment process is finalized and one, once the investment is, is finalized, we uh, in general come up with uh, an environmental and social action plan, which includes labor issues and working condition issues. And we put uh, action plans, short-term action plans and long-term action plans in which we emphasize on on the importance of identifying risks at the earliest stage. Environmental and social action plans are definitely a key part of this. Uh, And since they are typically part of investment agreements and documentation, they're sort of an important source of leverage for investors. Uh, I'll briefly mention, I think I'll keep saying this, but uh, one of the tools in our guidance is a template environmental and social action plan, which may be helpful to some who are listening. Um, but let's sort of look beyond due diligence now and look beyond the, the sort of the investment decision. Um, Chigozi, uh, as part of our collaboration, you were interested in focusing a bit more on the monitoring and portfolio management side. And one of the things we did was to hold a workshop with all of your portfolio companies that was focused on labor issues. Uh, That involved convening company CEOs and human resources people together to sort of encourage uh, frank discussion about labor challenges as well as opportunities. Uh, And I think, you know, we found this a useful exercise because it allowed CEOs to hear from HR people and vice versa. I also thought it was really useful because we also had uh, a more technical session with the human resources people which was a chance to identify some common labor challenges and develop common approaches and solutions. Uh, Could you sort of explain why engaging across your portfolio on labor issues was so important? Yes, because uh, I noticed that um, the the area of labor and working condition is one, one area that is not mostly discussed. You know, it seems to be somewhat latent you know so sometime in 20 years 2020 i i i felt that look this area has remained cold so we need to know we need to you know create an initiative that will enable us have conversation so that we can gain visibility and aside from that is also you know our lps are also very interested in that aspect you know there are some metrics that uh, you know that are related are attached to labor and investors are interested to to have information to have data you know to have visibility and have some level of assurance that look everything is working well in terms of labor so this is this was my motivation you know last year when i decided that look in 2021 we are going to tackle head on issues of labor and we started with that workshop which again uh, you helped us you know and uh, follow-up uh, uh, follow-up activities have have been taking place since after the the workshop and uh, i can tell you it was a good exercise it was eye-opening for us and it's something we want to continue to do and as i mentioned earlier we worked together with the portfolio company HR teams to identify common challenges and develop collaborative solutions. Uh, And one of the key issues was casual workers. Did you want to talk a little bit about the challenges involved in the support that was provided? 
we worked with one of our portfolio companies to standardize its process to manage temporary and casual workers in their site. And it's one of the best we have seen. In fact, it's one of the best we have seen. Very quite commendable. So I, I can say, it, yes, that is one area of challenge. But again, it is an area of opportunity for us, which uh, we have been able to provide a lot of support. And what was the specific issue in that case? Okay, so, um, you know, when organizations have um, casual workers, one thing that is very clear is uh, there is a, a legal requirement around it. So one big thing you want to do is to ensure that the organization, you know, manages that casual workers in line with the, the local law, the local regulation. In Nigeria, Labor Act, you are not supposed to keep casual workers more than six months. Uh, you have to absorb them or you let them go. So um, that is one area that uh, we have also tried to do well. We've, we have portfolio companies that have developed processes and programs to absorb some of these, not all, but most of these uh, casual workers that, uh, that work for them from time to time. But what is important is what are the conditions of these workers? And that is the area we lay a lot of emphasis so that they are not treated less than the other full-time workers. And in that aspect, I can tell you that we are getting on very, very well with our portfolio companies on that. Great. Um, just to say that for those interested, we captured a lot of the outputs from our workshop, including possible approaches to managing casual workers in the final version of our guidance. And I think with that, that's all the time we have. Um, that was a very quick overview of some key labor challenges and approaches across the investment cycle from the perspective of emerging market PE. Uh, I'm very, very grateful to Chigozi and Brooke. Thank you so much for taking part. Uh, also, many thanks to Chloe and the other Moving the Market partners. Uh, I should also thank the development finance LPs that supported us. That was Norfund, Swed Fund, and CDC. Uh, finally, and I have said this probably way too many times, but the guidance addresses all of these issues we've touched upon in greater detail. Um, so for those who are interested, you know, our hope is that the tools which are annexed are practical and useful. And I really think um, investors as well as financial institutions are increasingly coming to grips with the importance of the S in ESG. Um, not least of all because workers are almost always involved in an investment. Uh, so we certainly hope the guidance is relevant, uh, that it supports a move in the market. And with that, thank you very much for listening and I hope uh, we do another podcast soon.